0: I'm excited for today because we have uh, a great speaker coming in this morning. Um, his name is Chaz, and he is married to Chelsea, and they have two beautiful children who I just met, Olivia and Carter. I don't know. They must be geniuses to name their kid Carter, um, but we're glad that they're here this morning. Thanks for being here and taking time. If you don't know, Chaz is, he is the um, groups slash local mission pastor over at Parkview Christian Church. Um, we love Parkview and what they're doing and the people that they're reaching, and and they're a generous church in the sense that they've allowed a lot of their folks to come over and just to speak to our people and to talk uh, life into our people and to share the good news with us. And so he's going to do that this morning, and I would just ask that you would give him a big welcome as he comes forward this morning. Welcome, Chaz. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. And I got to say, it's been so good to get to know Brad and hear about your community and to be here with you this morning just to um, experience what it is that God's doing in your life and doing in your church. And I'm so grateful to be with you. Well, a little bit about me. Uh, Growing up, some of my favorite words in the English language were try and stop me. I don't know if any of you have uh, kids like this. My kids have seemed to get, I don't know if it's genetic or or what it was, but um, especially our little guy Carter. I don't know if you're guys the same way, Brad, but um, try and stop me were some of my favorite words in the English language. One of the ways that I had this attitude was when I was little, I had the dream and goal that... I am going to be the fastest man on earth. You know, the coveted title of, of winning the gold medal for the 100 meter dash in the Olympics. There was a, a, a runner named Maurice Green who was a gold medalist at the time. He was from Kansas City, about an hour away from where I grew up. And so I got in my head, I'm going to be the fastest man on earth, as well as um, be a running back in the NFL and a man, a, a many other things. And the, the, the idea, many people told me, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, Chaz, good thinking, um, I, I'm not sure how you think this is going to work out, um, but that didn't let me. That didn't stop me, I, I kept having a, a try and stop me attitude, and one of the things that I did in my yard, actually, I would go out there and run up and down my hill, and I had this giant parachute that I'd strap on my back just to try to create more resistance and try to in, improve my um, my running ability, and I always had running through my mind, ah, try and stop me, try and stop me stop me. But somewhere along the way, something happened where I was willing to trade my try and stop me attitude for an attitude of Nah, I'll just get whatever I can. and I'll just get whatever's dealt to me. Or I'll just settle for whatever is in front of me. And and oftentimes, I think many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, find uh, our, our mind in that place where we just settle for not having a try-and-stop-me attitude, just for the one saying, ah, I'll just get whatever I get. and uh, It reminds me, honestly, of, a, of the way one zookeeper figured out how to restrain their elephants. Um, my wife Chelsea and I, like Brad said, we've got a family. One of our favorite things to do is to get to go to the zoo and to see all of the different animals, and um, we're always blown away by the strength and power that God made these animals with, and how many and and how much that they're capable of doing. And um, it's especially true probably of the elephant, right? This strong, just incredible animal. And one zoo figured out a way to restrain their animal, and and that was by just a simple rope. There's a simple rope that any adult elephant could break, and one person attending the zoo and you know going by saw this and and came to the zookeeper and started asking them about this how they were able to restrain this elephant just with a rope and the zookeeper explained how this element elephant that grew up here at the zoo, didn't know anything else, that when it was a baby, it had this rope that it was restrained by, that at the time was able to restrain the elephant. And what happened to it, it was conditioned over the years to just simply believe that it couldn't break the rope. In reality, though, when it was an adult elephant, it could have easily snapped it like a twig. And so much of that is true in our own life, right? For whatever reason, you know, we ha- may have had ambition and desire so much in our life, but we settle. And we begin to be conditioned by the fact that we believe we can't break the rope. That we can't break through into what else that there might be for our life of the the power and strength that God has already given us. And um, I just want to be honest that Uh, For this sermon this passage i'm so excited to get to dig through today with you in in hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be and i'm excited to dig into this because i really need (laughs) this message this morning um because This season of my life, man, it just seems like I've kind of um, been bound by not having a try-and-stop-me attitude. And so this morning, our passage talks about and and gives us four different appeals, really, of what it looks like to have a try-and-stop-me attitude and and why we should have that as believers. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn with me or a Bible app, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I'm going to go ahead and get started here and verse 22, this is where we find the first appeal for the author of Hebrews. He says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, this phrase that we see right there at the beginning of the verse, this um, phrase of, of let us, I think if the author of Hebrews was here this morning, he would suggest that we take that let us phrase and replace it with the idea of try and stop me. Because at f- after every time that he uses this phrase, there's a type of appeal to why we should have a try and stop us attitude. And the first one that he starts with really kind of leans in to this Old Testament imagery that the people that the author was writing to would have known all too well. Uh, That Old Testament mindset of where the presence of God was something that was reserved for the temple, or for earlier before that, the tabernacle, in this area called the Holy of Holies, that where once a year, only one person, the high priest, was able to enter and to offer the the sacrifice of atonement and present that to God so that the sins of the community could be covered and that God's people could interact with his presence. And, And this very sacred time and this very sacred place was the only time That there was this full understanding of God's presence. And the author of Hebrews is reminding the people, the community of people who are following Jesus, look, this is no longer the case. Because of Jesus and, and what he's done, we now don't need a high priest just to enter into the presence of God. But we, no matter who we are, where we are, because of Jesus, have boldness, an all-access pass to the presence of God, and we can experience that in our life. It's a significant thing to have an all-access pass to something. Um, one of the times I experienced this in my life was um, when I first got to Parkview. We, Chelsea and I, we've been here five years now, and um, the, the first week, really, I got there, I started as an intern to the senior pastor and uh, spent a, a year just kind of following and learning and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And um, one of the craziest things that I got to do was uh, to be a part of what we were doing for Father's Day that year. At Parkview, we always go crazy about Father's Day and, and make it a big deal. And um, we're, we always seem to be doing kind of crazy stuff. And uh, we like to say we're willing to do anything short of sin to help people get to know God and, and, to be, and to reach people for God because we think his love is that great. And so um, for Father's Day, we were always doing uh, do out-of-the-box things to try to help people um, feel easy to, to be invited, to, that it's easy for them to invite their friends. And so um, this year, the first year that Chelsea and I were at Parkview, we went down to uh, West Monroe, Louisiana to interview the Duck Dynasty guys. Uh, If you remember them, uh, that that old reality TV show, it's been off the air for a few years now, but um, five years ago, it was like at its prime, and it was this group of just redneck guys and this family that uh, made a fortune selling duck calls. Um, I mean, I guess if you have to make a a fortune doing something, selling duck calls is not a bad way to go about it. So these guys made a fortune selling duck calls. And um, so they had this reality TV show where they're just these rednecks with a bunch of money Doing all sorts of just funny stuff, and um, we wanted to connect with them. They were were great faith-filled people that um, really lived a, a great life, and and were good representatives for Jesus. And so um, we went down and we interviewed them. And they part of their show. They have this big warehouse where they always uh, do everything, all of their shenanigans. And um, we get there and we drive in and we do the interview, and it goes great. We have a blast. It's a ton of fun and. Um, one of the things that Tim, our senior pastor, wanted to do was to be able to get a shot of it looking like he was driving from West Monroe, Louisiana, all the way up to uh, Parkview, where he actually drove into the worship center on a motor s- or on a, a four wheeler and drove it up onto stage. But he wanted to make it look like it was coming from uh, Louisiana, so we asked him if they have, you know, a a four-wheeler that we could borrow. And they didn't have one there at the warehouse, but the oldest brother, who we made a great connection with, said, well, uh, mom and dad have one back at at their house, and you could probably go over there and, and, and use theirs if they want to. And so we're like, Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. That's incredible. So um, Phil, the the dad, his right hand man, comes and and we drive with them and and we get to go to their house and we go up and they invite us right in and uh, they they offer sweet tea to us and a, a, a cupcake. I mean, in a cupcake in Miss Kay's kitchen and it's like this totally surreal experience where I have this all access pass to something that people most of the time just watch this on TV, like they just experience it from a distance, and even people will try to look up their house online, and, and drive there, and, and, and try to get in, but they're not able to get in, because they don't have a connection to let them in, to give them an all-access pass, and I was blown away by that experience of having an all-access pass that most people don't get, but that all-access pass Pales in comparison to the reality of what Jesus has given us that he has given us an all-access pass to God That we can come to God with full assurance and boldness that we are in God's very presence The presence of the creator of the universe and we can ask what's near and dear to our hearts See we're able to say that we can have a try and stop us attitude because of the boldness That we have from faith and our, our trust in Jesus But this presence and time that we spend with God, when we have that and we experience that, It's impossible to remain unchanged in that experience. That that, that it automatically does something to us in our life. And, And that leads us to our attitude of which we have. That can be a try and stop us attitude and mindset. And that's of one filled with hope. This is what we see in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Where the author says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. See, this next try-and-stop-us appeal that he gives us is one of hope. Hope being the assurance of what we yet do not see. Being confident uh, of what we don't see, that God's promise... Is true and that he will be faithful and you and I we can be we can be filled with hope because of the the faithfulness of Jesus and what he's promised us and the salvation that he has given us that it's not something notice this how he talks about for he who promised is faithful it's not about what we do how we earn our way into a relationship with God that we earn our way into God's graces and his goodness but that it's him who's faithful to us. It's him who, who sees us and longs to be with us. And it's for that reason that we can be filled with hope, that we can be filled with the confidence that things aren't always going to be how they are right now, and we're not always going to experience the, the pain and difficulty that we face in this earth, that, that we can have an attitude of one that's filled with hope. Because it's not about what we do, but it's about what's been done to us. I'm reminded of a, a time my family went to Oceans of Fun. Like I said, we grew up an hour, I grew up an hour north of, of Kansas City, and Oceans of Fun was the water park. It was a cool place to go and, and have Oceans of Fun, just like the name says, right? <laughs> and so one time my family was there. I was young, like six or seven at the time. And one of the, the best parts about the water park is the wave pool right, you know, that's the pinnacle of the fun at a water park, and so I'm in there in the wave pool swimming around, and um, I get in and the water's calm, it's fine, the waves aren't always going, and so I'm there with my dad having a blast and starting to swim a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and all of a sudden the waves start coming and they turn it on and it's small at first, I'm like, okay, I can handle this, this is good. And then all of a sudden, the the, the waves start coming, and like my little six year old self sees them, and it's like, this is like a tsunami. Like, I I can't handle this anymore. And I get swept under, and I'm like, I'm really struggling. I'm literally drowning at this time, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the end. It's been a good run so far, but I'm finished. And I just threw my hand up in the air, and luckily, my dad. He was being a good dad, and he was watching over, and he sees me, and he grabbed my hand, and he pulls me up, and he saves me. And in that experience, it wasn't my own strength and ability that saved me, but it was my dad's faithfulness to watch over me and protect me, and because of his love, he grabbed onto me. And my opportunity of what my response to that is just hold on to the hand that grasped me. And that's where our hope comes from. That's where the fuel for which we can have a try and stop me attitude. I mean, after all, try and and stop us. Now that we're grasping so tightly to the one who has given us the opportunity to have faith because he's been faithful to us. That there's no way, there's no distance, there's nothing that we could ever do to make God love us less. That could knock us off, hit, knock him off, his pursuit of us in our life. And for that, we can have hope. And we ha- when we have hope, we're having a try-and-stop-me attitude. So it's not just faith and hope that, um, that allows us to have this try-and-stop-me attitude. This ultimately leads us to action when, when we're experiencing these things, when we're filled with hope, it leads us to action, and that's what we find in the third appeal in verse 24, where, he's, where the author says, and let us, try and stop us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, that The third appeal is that of love. Now, for me, this is a little interesting that he would use this language of spurring. Uh, Most of the time, the idea of of spurring is not one that's, you know, necessarily pleasant to go through. I mean, you think about, like, the rider spurs a horse. If you were to ask a a horse after the end of the race, you know, what was your favorite part of the the race? I don't think a horse would ever say, well, it was when my rider really gave me a good spur. Like, that really made me feel good (laughs) about myself. That just doesn't happen. Or you parents, you know, you understand sometimes. You got to give a little spur to your kids. My little Olivia, she's never said, oh, thank you, Dad, for spurring me to clean my room. Thank you for for spurring me to get ready for bed. I've really enjoyed that. That just doesn't happen that way. We don't normally get spurred on or appreciate being spurred. But what we see here in the context of love Is that when the community takes so serious the reality of our faith that we have in Jesus and the hope that comes from that That the natural expression of that is to live lives filled with love That when people see our lives and see the love that we have, they can't help but want to be a part of it They can't help but be challenged by the fact that they too could have this love in their life and experience that And honestly, that's contagious that, that's spurring when when I hear the things that you're doing like the hope closet that you're you're doing with with gathering clothes for people just to help people who are in need that's what it looks like or your trips that you're going on that that's to be a people that are marked by love so much that, that it spurs on to others one person that this is true of of for me is the famous missionary jim Elliot a guy who who really ultimately gave the ultimate sacrifice of his own, very own life because of of what God led him to do in ministering to the Aka Indians and and how he and his group went and just showed them God's love and and he says this prayer that I think is so challenging to me. He says, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life and, and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. And that's exactly what he lived. Not, uh, not focusing on the length of our life, but the, the fullness of our life. What God can offer. That's what it means. That's what it looks like to be spurred on to, to love and to spur others on to love. Is that when we're filled with the fullness of life that only God can offer. A few people in my church who remind me of this and challenge me of this. And people like um, Doreen DeBoer, who she found a need of... Of Homeless people and and just begin to build relationship with, with people who were homeless and she started going down uh, Every second Saturday of the month not not anybody forcing her to do it or anything like that um, but just went down building relationships and now has grown to something that there are hundreds of people hundreds of Homeless people in Chicago that come every month the second Saturday of every month to be a part of, of just being loved and to be spurred on that they might change their life and and, and improve and, and just receive some of the things that they need so dearly. Doreen challenges me in that. Or, or another guy named Al Schroeder who is... As normal as a guy as as you and I are, that you could ever imagine. And what Al started to do is he had a passion for bikes and he had a skill to be able to just fix bikes. And so he started fixing bikes and he would fix bikes, get bikes for free, fix them, and give them away. Just give them away to people in need. And it started small, a couple bikes and give away to a few people in his neighborhood or different things like that. And eventually now it's grown into him supplying all sorts of different ministries with literally hundreds of bikes every year, to uh, to kids who have single-parent homes, or, or kids that, uh, that are in need so that they can have transportation, or adults coming out of, of prison and, and needing forms of transportation to be able to, to find reasonable employment, and, and him just giving them away through these different ministries and organizations and connections. And by those stories, I'm spurred on to say, man, that's what the fullness of God looks like. That's what I want in my life. And when we do that and we embrace that, we're having a try and stop us attitude. Uh, uh, And when we live in such a way where we spur others on to love and good deeds. So so far, we've talked about things like faith, hope, and love. And these three things, you don't have to... go very far in the New Testament to realize that these are really important things when it comes to following Jesus and being a Christian. Um, people have said these are the three core virtues of Christianity that really form the foundation of what it is to follow Jesus and, and what it looks like. So it's no surprise, I think, to see that these three virtues are those of which the author of Hebrews uses to to, to really encourage and to appeal for us to have a try and stop us attitude. But these three virtues are really nothing unless we have a community to be able to practice them in. And that's what he talks about as the uh, fourth appeal of what it looks like to have a try and stop me attitude. He says in verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching this, the the day being the time in which Jesus will return to restore all things. As you think about that, don't give up meeting in community. Don't give up your fellowship. And this fourth appeal appeal—that of fellowship is one I understand you guys have been talking about a lot lately in your series that you've worked through in the good and beautiful community that God has formed you in, that it's not just about an individual relationship with Jesus that we're to have and to experience his goodness in, but that he's given us a community. He's given us each other that we get to to know God as we know each other and be bound and together in community where it's not about just you and I having an individual relationship, but what God wants to do for us together and for us to be the community and an expression of God's presence in the world, in our local neighborhoods, in our city, in our town, as his people. That's that's what he wants for us. And when we, we do that, when we gather, like we're gathering today, and when we scatter as the community, we're able to say, try and stop us. As we remember the fact that Jesus is coming back and he's called us to be his people, He's called us to live in such a way that we represent that and reflect that in the world around us. Ultimately, it's like, it's like Legos when it comes to living in community, right? Uh, A Lego is useless all by itself. The only thing it's good for is a weapon for kids to torture their parents. When like they leave their Legos out as a parent, have you ever stepped on a Lego? I mean, Can I get a witness that that is is a painful experience? Maybe like one of the most painful things in all the world. Stepping on the Lego is terribly painful. And it reminds us that, that Legos were never meant to be used by themselves. They were never meant to play with by themselves. And as a community, as followers of Jesus, we're never meant to be by ourselves and function by ourselves. But we're meant to be a community. And function together that way, and when we remember that, when we're drawn into that appeal, we're able to say, "Try and stop me." So, all of this is great, and all of these appeals are important, but we still need to understand one last thing to wrap this all up, and that comes back to the really the reason for which we're able to have a try and stop me attitude. What what is the the source the fuel for us to be able to to continually have this attitude? And it comes back to understanding really what the author of Hebrews is trying to do in his whole letter here. Uh, He's writing likely to a church in Rome. And this is a church, whether it was in Rome or somewhere else in the Roman Empire, this was a church that was facing persecution. Uh, They were facing hardship. They were facing some difficult things in their life and their community that was tempting them to give up to throw in the towel and just to say, man, it'd be easier if we just close up shop and, 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 and not embrace all that God has for us because this life is hard. It's hard to have a try-and-stop-us attitude. It, it's hard to do all that God wants us to do. And time after time after time, the author of Hebrews reminds them that that there is more, that that you're not to give up, don't abandon the faith, don't turn away from all that God has for you, because it is always better to trust in God, and ultimately, he gives us the source and the foundation of our ability to have a try-and-stop-us attitude, and that's of this in verses 19 through 21. He says, therefore, brothers, Since we have confidence, it's important for us to understand this reality of confidence, to enter into the most holy place. Remember, this is leaning back into that Old Testament imagery and language that we talked about, the most holy place that once a year that only the high priest could go. He's given us confidence, us all confidence, to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, through his sacrifice, his willingness to die on the cross for our behalf. And since we have a great high priest being Jesus over the house of God, this is what allows us to have a try-and-stop-us attitude. Because Jesus is the matchless sacrifice for our sins, who can stop us? Uh, right what he talks about in the confidence that, that we're able to have boldness we're able to have assurance. we're able to be confident in the people that we are and who he's called us to be because of jesus's sacrifice that's always sustaining that's always preserving that is always faithful for us to be filled with hope and action as we embrace what it means to be god's people and time after time after time, in all of this letter of Hebrews, Je- the author is always talking about how Jesus is greater than. Jesus is, is greater than, in the Old Testament, Moses, its greatest leader. That Jesus is, is greater than the system that was created for people to know and understand God. That Jesus is greater than any other expression of ways people have experienced God and understand him in their life. And it reaches its climax and culmination here where he explains how Jesus is greater than the, 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 the sacrifice that is seen throughout the Old Testament. That Jesus is the one-time ultimate sacrifice for us to be able to come close to God and be connected to him. And what we experience in that, when we trust in God in his sacrifice, is a little thing I like to call escape velocity. Uh, That's a science term. I'm uh, a bit of a science nerd myself. I always liked science in in high school. And escape velocity is a term that describes uh, when a spacecraft reaches a certain amount of speed, a certain amount of velocity, where the forces that were once holding it back no longer have control and, and dominion and force over them anymore. Think of gravity. Right like spaceship like satellites. They're always rotating around the same old place going through the same old motions Seeing the same old things always held by gravity the same old force And in our lives oftentimes we feel like that We we get you get trapped into the this mindset of being held by these forces But I have good news for you Because you and I, we're no longer satellites held back by the forces that once held us back. But because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, he has broken us free from those things that once dominated our life. That that, that once kept us from the life that he wants. And that we've experienced freedom and goodness and escape velocity in Jesus' sacrifice. That we now can have a try and stop me attitude. Because now, my only question for you now is who can stop us? Seriously, who can stop us? That's your next step I want to give you for this week. As you wake up every morning this week, just ask this one simple question. Because of Jesus, who can stop me? Because of Jesus, who can stop me? I mean, friends, who can stop us now that all the potential that we've ever existed in our life meets the colossal wave of God's love? Who can stop us now that that we know and understand the love of Jesus that has reached down to make the ultimate sacrifice for our lives so that we might know God? Who can stop us now, now that we have the assurance of boldness to come before God, no matter what our desire may be in our life, that we can come freely to God with that? Who can stop us now? now, now that that we're a part of a community, that that we are known and needed in, and that we experience God in, who can stop us now, now that we have something to put our hope in, that we know things aren't always going to be the way that they are, and who can stop us now as we embrace the world around us with the love that we've all only experienced in Jesus, in our community, who can stop us now? Simple, no one. No one can stop us now because of those things. Let me pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for the reality that we can have a try-and-stop-us attitude because nothing can stop us because of the ways that you've worked in our life and the faith that we have and the hope that we have in you and the love that is shown as a result of it in our community. And, Lord, I pray for us that, that these truths may sink in and that we may hold tightly to the reality that we simply can't be stopped and that you have something for us that is greater and bigger than anything we could ask or imagine. Lord, we love you and we thank you for how you've worked through the church in many ways in this reality and we invite you to remind us of that right now. Lord, we love you and thank you and in Jesus' name I pray, amen.